your Bibles this morning to a couple of places. I want you to go to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and then Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30. Uh, do you have an extra handout, guys, that I could have myself? One of what you gave them guys that got one of those. And be sure and get one of those if you don't have one. Everybody ought to have one. Does anybody not have one that needs one? Because I want you to do some writing. This will be a little different type of message today. Might be more of a teaching type of a message today. But let me just say something to you about your children and raising your children. Your children... There's one thing that they'll never be able to get away from, and that is living in a home where there's answered prayer. You might have the flash and you have all kinds of song and dance and you can have all this kind of stuff and going on. But I'm going to tell you something. And they may get, be challenged and their, test is, their faith is going to be tried and tested. But I will tell you this much. If they know for sure that they saw supernatural answer to prayer in the life that the home that they were growing up in, that's something that the Holy Spirit can anchor their souls with beyond any, all the preaching and all the other stuff. There's something about the power of answered prayer that will anchor you to the reality of God in your life. The sad fact is that many children are growing up in churches and in homes, Christian homes, and they cannot really say, do I really know of a time when there was true answered prayer in, in our family's life? You need to ask yourself that question. And I'm just telling you this is one thing. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and I want you to look what we're looking at this. Uh, we're preaching through that book. And uh, Paul is, is teaching Timothy here about the ministry, giving him some of the important things. We've hit a lot of things there, but he said verse number 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, underline first of all in your Bible. Prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Uh, it, no matter whether you're in the ministry or whether you're in just in Christian service, prayer is the base thing underneath it all. Without that, nothing else is going to work. And then in verse number two, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. I wonder what some of these inner cities that are seeing some of this trash and loot and burn stuff. I mean, here you got these gangs going in and robbing stores, taking crowbars in and beating jewelry counters. I wonder what, what they'd like to have a quiet and peaceable life. I wonder what it would be in America if people thought they could once again go out at nine o'clock at night in American cities and walk down the street with their daughter and not be afraid of being attacked or robbed or looted or raped or beaten death or shot. You know, it, it, I, I want this part of the country for us to be able to lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And it's going to come. And so he says, so he says, pray for them for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Who gave himself, now I preached on a lot of this stuff last Sunday, but we're going to kind of read it again. Wherefore I'm ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in verity. I will that, by the way, that word verity, that means it's, it's a fact. It's the way it is. It's the truth and you can go to, you can, you can put it in the bank. We need some verity. Solid. That's it. No monkey. It's the truth. Verity. The word of God is verity. When Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, you know what will hold you in the storms of life is verities. These are unchangeable, eternal, universal truths of almighty God. And, this, and, and the, that's what the gospel is in the word of God. Verse number eight, I will therefore, and they said, because of this, I will therefore that men pray everywhere in church, in home, at school, at work, 
Traveling on the job, I will. Amen. Pray everywhere. Lifting up holy hands. How many of you have ever, I'll tell you what, one of the sweetest things, I come up here to school and maybe some of the little kids, now the, 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 the high school kids won't do this, but the little bitty kids will be in the gym and I walk in there in that gym and they'll come running across that floor and their hands up like that and they'll jump and want you to grab them. Anybody, y'all had that? Do you know what their, those kids' hands are up? Hands are up is, is a lot of things. Number one, it, it, it says that you need God. You, you, you're, you're, re, you're reaching out for help, that you, cannot, you can't make it on your own. You need God. By the way, you do need God, and I need God. But it's also an anticipation. Lord, did you know what? I, like, I kind of had this deal when I was meditating upon this, about when I die, I want to die like that. I want to be running into the arms of my heavenly father with my arms up and jump up into his arms. Amen. Amen. I want a joyful reunion with my Lord. Now, but also you go back to Moses in Exodus chapter 17. I will that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Now that we're on this thing of prayer. We're pre- preaching on prayer. And today we're going to preach. Go to Exodus chapter 30 now, because every New Testament doctrine has an Old Testament example. And the great example is in Exodus chapter 30 in the tabernacle. We are going to build all the pieces of the article as close to as replica size, as replica of the tabernacle as we can. But I want to preach today. You've got that handout. It said the altar of incense, the picture of prayer. I want you to also write up there the pathway to prayer, the pathway to prayer. Write that at the top. All right. So let's look at the pathway of prayer here for just a minute. So if you look up here. This tabernacle is a picture of how man can approach to God, how God has made provision for man to be reconciled and to to approach God. Just going briefly here this morning, we're talking about the pathway to prayer. There was a gateway and an entrance to the tabernacle. Now, God's presence was here in, in the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant, the cherubims, and the mercy seat was. That's where you want to get is reconciled and be able to be reconciled to God. All right, so, but you had to go in through the gate. There's four of those curtains, speaks to the four gospels, and it's through the gospel of Jesus Christ that you have access to the, to the Father. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by me. You're not going to God anyway but Jesus. Muhammad, Gandhi, all the rest of them, this junk. Christ and Christ alone. Neither is it a salvation in any other, for there's none of the name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. It's Christ and Christ alone. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. This is what God is teaching by the tabernacle. If you tried to go crawl under or go over, God would kill you. You try to go to heaven any other way but Jesus, you're going to have death, spiritual, eternal death. So you come through, but you come through with something. You come to God with a sacrifice. You have to have a lamb. You didn't come in here just strolling in there popping bubble gum and acting like you was going to the county fair. You were coming to worship God, to pray to God. And by the way, you came in reverently. You came in submissively. You came in obediently. You came in with a right attitude, amen. And you came in here, you brought your lamb. And this picture here of the brazen altar, it speaks of the cross where Jesus was killed, was, was, was a sacrifice for our sins and laid down his life for our sin. That's why John the Baptist said when Jesus came to Jordan, behold the lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Those lambs were a picture of Jesus who was to come. The brazen altar speaks of judgment. And there you brought your lamb. You, the family walked in there and the father laid his hands upon the head of the lamb and leaned upon it. And that was signifying the transfer of my sin to the lamb. Now here's what happens when you get saved. Your sins are transferred to Christ. Christ's righteousness is transferred to you. Everybody with me? 
You don't get saved by living better and doing better and by quit drinking. Amen. You get saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so that leaning hands upon, and then, so that was a picture of your sins being put upon Christ. So then the lamb was killed. The blood was shed. They, they cut that lamb's throat and caught the blood because that blood had to be applied in the presence of God. The wages of sin is death. It's the blood that makes the atonement for the soul. Never get away from this. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. They didn't walk in there with money. They didn't walk in there with good works. They didn't walk in there looking religious. They didn't walk in there with nothing. They brought a lamb and a life was shed. An innocent died in somebody's place. And Jesus Christ's blood was shed for us. And then that's your salvation. Now, after you're saved, there's a laver, okay? The laver is a picture of the Word of God. Wherewithal shall a man cleanse his way according to the Word of God. The water was in there, and there was a mirror in the laver. The mirrors were where you could see yourself when you walk. The Bible literally says that it is a glass. It's a looking glass. It's where you look into and use. By the way, do you know the only way you and I can really see ourselves is to look in the Word of God? You'll never see yourself just without the Word of God. But you look in that laver, and you could see yourself, but you could also wash in it. So the Bible cleanses, and the Bible shows us who we are. And after that cleansing, then the priest would go into what's called the holy place. In the holy place was three pieces of furniture. There was the candlestick, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit of God. Then there was the table of, by Jesus is light, okay? Jesus is the way. He's our sacrifice. He's the word. He is the, he, he's our light. He's, this is the table of showbread. He's, the, he's our bread. And here is the golden altar or the altar of incense right before the veil. By the way, the veil is Jesus Christ. That when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, the veil ripped from top to bottom. That's showing you the salvation is of the Lord. It doesn't come from man up to God. It comes from God down to man. And Jesus the veil. And then behind that, of course, is the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat and the cherubims over it where God himself uh, abided. Now, this all is a picture of you. You're a triune being. There's the outer court speaks of your body. The most, the, the holy place speaks of your soul. And this speaks of the most holy place speaks of your spirit. They that worship God must worship him where? In spirit and in truth. All right. You don't, we, we don't want to be into soul worship. That's what's going on across America. You want to be in the worship of God in spirit. That's why you, you, when God says you're saved, you must be born again in the spirit. And this is what happens. Now, when the God begins to describe this, he describes it from the inside out. It, God moving toward man. But in doing so, God made a way for man to get there. Now, this golden altar is a picture of prayer. He's going to put it up by itself pretty soon. And in it is where you learn the doctrine of prayer and what prayer is and so forth. We'll look at that in just a minute. But let me just say this to you. It was made out of pure gold. And uh, it's set right before the, the veil, right before the Ark of the Covenant. Jesus Christ ever lives to make intercession for us. We pray in Jesus' name. He's our light. He's our bread. And he is our intercessor and our advocate. If any man sin... We have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. And yet, in Christ, you and I are to partake all that, and we are to pray, and he teaches us how to pray, and he did that. So now, let's take off in Exodus chapter 30 and verse number 1. And everybody there, say amen. Amen. 
And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon. Of shittim wood shalt thou make it. A cubit shall be the length thereof. That's about 18 inches. And a cubit the breadth thereof. That's about 18 inches. So it was like this and like this. About 18 inches like that. All right. It was about, and it says it uh, uh, four square, and it should be in two cubits shall be the height. That's about 36 inches high. So you've got a, a piece of furniture about 18 by 18 by 36 inches high. Not that big, not, not a great big piece of furniture. Has horns on it. Look what it says. Thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof, and sides thereof round about, and horns thereof, and thou shalt make it unto it a crown of gold round about. And two gold rings shalt thou make it under the crown of it by the two corners thereof upon the two sides of it shalt thou make it. And they shall be for places to the stays to bear with all. And thou shalt make the stays of shittim wood and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony before the mercy seat that is over the testimony where I will meet with thee. Underline your Bible where I will meet with thee. How many would agree with me it's important for you to be able to talk to God? It's important to be able to communicate with God. And I'll tell you something. We have such a wonderful God that he has made provision for Reg to be out there on the farm and say, Lord, I need to talk to you. Well, you're driving down the road. Lord, I need to talk to you. And Jesus Christ has made that for you. And I want everybody in this place today to know. If you're saved, you have an amazing, unfathomable privilege. And that is to talk to God Almighty. He has made provision for you to literally talk to God, the the God that made this universe. If you're here today and you're lost, you do not have that. But you can have that by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can be reconciled to God, have him as your heavenly father. We've got three people, I uh, just, uh, uh, just made a while ago talking to Ty. Two of their children were saved at home here recently. And Scout was say, we need to have a baptism when it gets real good and cold. Amen. <laughs> but uh, you know what? When they got saved, see, they had access to the Father through Jesus Christ when they received him as their Lord and Savior. Now they can talk, say, my Father, which is in heaven. All right. So now he said, but where I'll meet with you. I want to ask you, where, where do you meet God? Do you meet with God? Did you know the Bible said about Abraham that he rose up in the morning and met with the Lord? Now he said in verse number two, and Aaron, watch this, verse seven, Aaron shall burn there on sweet incense every morning when he dresseth the lamps and he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at evening, he shall burn incense upon it. It is a, it, 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 a perpetual incense before the Lord. Watch this throughout your generations. Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall ye pour drink offering thereon. Now, we're going to take off here today on this, and you can fill in the blanks, all right? Now, I'm going to run pretty quick. It's 1135. If I don't get done, I'm going to finish this tonight, but I'm going to take the time I need to, uh, to, and so we'll probably finish this out, and I won't get all done this morning. You might want to write down, if it's not on your deal there, uh, well, I believe it is. It, it, It is on there. Uh, the first thing you want to see about this thing is this picture. It is a picture of prayer. Look at it says there in verse number one. So your first word you're going to put in there is picture. All right. Every word's going to start with P. I'm a preacher. So preachers always start messages with P. All right. No, seriously, it's a picture of prayer. This is a picture of prayer. There's your golden altar right there. It's called the altar of incense and it's called the picture of prayer. Now, how many was raised in the hippie days? How many is a burned out hippie? Got any burned out hippies? I've got one or two around here. Okay. 
<laughs> me and you. Back in the hippie days when Battlefield Mall was just put in, and you walk in the Battlefield Mall and they were playing uh, du- dueling banjos, and you go down through there and they had, uh, they had the hippie shops. And the whole mall, you could smell something. What could you smell? Incense. And they burned incense, and it was a big deal to have what somebody said something. <laughs> You're supposed to have incense. Now, isn't it funny, watch this, that a demonically inspired cultural movement, like the hippie movement, loved to burn incense. That tells you something. Everything that God has, Satan has an imitation for. Satan knows that you have a need to communicate to a higher being. So he's going to make that way. Now, incense in the Bible is a picture of prayer. In Revelation chapter 5, you may not want to look at this. In Revelation chapter 8, the Bible says that the prayers of the saints are as incense that go up into the nostrils of God. God uses the picture of incense as a picture of our prayer. It goes up, it has a sweet smell, a sweet savor to it in God's nostril. And incense is always in your Bible a picture of prayer. In fact, in Psalms 141, David said, my prayer shall go up as incense unto God. All right. So the first number one there is the picture of prayer. It's as incense ascending up to the rising. Can I tell you something? Your prayers are a sweet smelling savor to God. God doesn't take prayer lightly from a true and honest heart, sincere heart, not playing monkey business, not pretending all stuff. But I'll tell you something. When you're out there, I want you to know something. I have prayers I'm praying that God hasn't answered yet. I've had a lot of prayers God has answered. But I remind myself that God has asked me to pray, told me to pray, and that he hears my prayers. And it's like sweet smelling incense in the nostrils of my Heavenly Father. I want you to know something. He knows your tears. He puts them in a bottle. He keeps track of your prayers. I want you to leave this church house today praying more than you ever did before in your life. I want you to value prayer. I want you to love prayer. I want you to know that you can meet God. He's made a way for you to talk to him, to pour your heart out to him. To be intimate with him. You know what's missing in a lot of people's Christian life? They know all the, they know all the service. They know all the stuff. You, you know, we, we read our Bible and we pray and we sing, but they don't have that intimacy with God when they're just wherever they might be. That's what God wants you to get out of this. He said, I've made a place for you to meet me. All right? So number two, the place of prayer. Look what he said in verse number six. He said, thou, thou shalt put it before the veil, before the veil where I will meet thee. The veil is a picture of Jesus Christ. Where does God meet? We meet him before Jesus Christ. I come to Jesus. The only way I have access to God is through the name of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what an old preacher taught me to pray. I I, I prayed with this guy different times. And every time he'd pray, he'd say, Lord, we come to you. Watch this. In the name and in the basis, on the basis of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The place where prayer was, was before the veil, which was right before the mercy seat. And that's where the blood was sprinkled. Your prayer is in the place where God, the the place of prayer is where the blood was sprinkled upon the true. By the way, do you know there's a true one of these in heaven? This is just an earthly picture of it. There is a temple in heaven and it's it's made after this pattern. 
and Jesus' blood. And the place where you can pray is the veil there uh, before the veil in the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, number three, so we've got the picture of prayer, number one. The place of prayer is in Christ. What do we mean when we say, in Jesus' name, I, I pray? When you do that, it's not just a little saying. It means that his mind, his heart, his will, his glory in our prayers. We want that to reflect his glory. When we, in Jesus' name, in just some little Christian cliche. It means we're praying this prayer for his glory, for his honor, in obedience to his word, in agreement with his word. Number three, there's the position of prayer. How do we pray? Do we kneel down? Do we lift our hands up? Do we get on our face on the floor? How's the position of prayer? The position of prayer, the physical position is not so important. Now, I do believe you should kneel, and I do. And I do believe you should at times get on your face before God, and I do. Elijah, when he prayed fervently upon Mount Carmel, the Bible said he put his head down between his knees. I'm going to tell you something, you're getting low, amen? But the position is where the heart position more than anything. It's not the posture so much as is the position. It's before, here, write this down, it's before the mercy seat. The position of prayer is before the mercy seat. When you go to prayer, remember this, it's all mercy. God doesn't owe you and me anything except justice. But he gave us mercy. And the position of this prayer, this altar, was right before the mercy seat. The only prayer I know of in the Bible where a man prayed to be saved was over there where the two men came to the temple and the one man said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Watch his words, merciful. When you come to pray, you must come humbly. You cannot, you can come boldly, but you don't come arrogantly. You don't come deservedly. You don't come twisting him. You don't come manipulating him. You don't come making deals with him. I had a guy say, well, I told God if he had saved me that I'd do this. He'd save me. If he'd answered this prayer, I'd do this. No, you don't do that with God. It's all mercy. We need to get that, that. That's a word that needs to get into your Christian vocabulary. Mercy. Everything is by his mercy. That's the position of prayer. It's not within ourselves. Number four is the power of prayer. I want you to notice something here. Now, this is interesting because this, I don't know, maybe this is the part that gets me some of the most right here. But in, in chapter three and verse number two, God said at the last part of the verse, he said, the horns thereof shall be the same. They were to put horns on, they put these horns on the four corners of it. Now, I want you to watch this. I want to tell you something. I want to make a declarative statement. There is power in prayer. Now, we're getting to where I kind of want to get to now. Horns in the Bible speaks of power. God put horns on the brazen altar. Have you ever sung the song, there's power in the blood? Well, let me just tell you something today. There is power in prayer. And I want to give you an Old Testament deal. How many members Jacob, when he came down there and he was at the brook there coming back and there met an angel and he wrestled all night with the angel. Remember that? That is a that is one of the greatest lessons on prayer you'll ever read in the Bible. Jacob wrestled with that angel all night long. And you know what the Bible says? That he, the angel, saw that he did not prevail. Watch this. Who needs to prevail in your prayer life? You or God? You both do. This is interesting. 
when you're praying, oftentimes it's the Holy Spirit, God working through the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit to prevail in your life. We oftentimes want to prevail in prayer and we should. And he did prevail in prayer. Jacob did. But it also says that he, God, was was not prevailing. So he did something. Watch this. He touched him in the hollow of the thigh and he crippled him. You know what the message there is? We don't usually voluntarily yield to God. God usually has to touch us and cripple us, break us. But there's power in the breaking. Jacob left there limping. Do you know what God said? I'm going to change your name from Jacob to Israel to, from a subtle conniver to a man who has power with God. Read your Bible. That's what it says about him. He said, I'm going to change you to, to, uh, to Israel. You're going to be a prince and you're going to be a prince with power. What was he saying? You have learned how to have power through prayer. There's more power in prayer than there is preaching. Preaching without the backing of prayer is powerless. And what we need to do, we don't need more three points in a poem. We don't need more better outlines from the denominational headquarters. We need power in our preaching. We need power in our witnessing. When you talk to somebody about the Lord, you need the power of God. But to get that, we need to learn how to have power in prayer. And sometimes we have to prevail. And that's what happened with Jacob. Watch this. In Ephesians chapter 6, when it begins to talk about the spiritual warfare that we have, it says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So here's what God is saying. Part of your prayer life is coming against satanic powers. Let me just tell you something. You mess with marijuana, you're going to get demon possessed. You can go down there and get your medical pot all you want to. And I don't care if you like this or don't like that. You need to stay away from pot. Amen. Amen. I know what I'm talking about. I have never met a person who messed with pot who didn't get a lying spirit entered into their body. They'll lie like a dog, and if they ever get delivered from it, they will tell you that they believe their own lies. Now, let me tell you something. When we wrestle, so what was Jacob doing with the angel? He was wrestling, the Bible says, same word. What does that teach you? That prayer, there's power in prayer and there's a wrestling in prayer. The Bible said that Daniel prayed 20 and 1 days. But the prince of Persia withstood him. You know what's going to happen? You're going to feel burdened, prompted to pray. And the prince and the devil's going to come against you. And he'll start, your your mind will start wandering. How many has ever done that? You'll think about something that needs to be done. There are things that need to be prayed for. And here's what I want. This is so hard for me to explain. I don't have the capability. But let me just tell you something. There are spiritual powers at work to hinder your walk with God, to take, to destroy your marriage, to destroy your family. There are literal, there's at least seven different types of devils mentioned in the New Testament and they're out to destroy you. And prayer is the means by which God has given you power over demonic powers at work in your marriage, your life, your business, your family, your children, the church. 
Can I tell you something? My wife and I sat at the table this week. God is blessing this church. I don't know whether you're aware of that, but he's blessing this church. I mean, not just with people, but with things that ministry opportunities and people that were reaching. It's just astounding what God is doing. And we, I told her, I said, Karen, we better get praying. We better be ready. We better be in spiritual warfare because Satan is going to attack this work. He is not going to let us get by. That means that we're going to have to pray. So I'm going to challenge everybody in this church. Pray against the powers of hell. Come against Satan, his demonic powers in the name and through the blood of Jesus Christ and call against him and say, God, build a hedge around us. Amen. Amen. God, protect us. There's nothing more than Satan would like us to blow this ministry out of the water. And your greatest strength sometimes is your greatest place of vulnerability. And we need to be in prayer, but there's power in prayer. I don't have to be overcome by devils. I don't have to be uh, live in some kind of oppression. I'll, I'll just be truthful with you. I don't, you, you can say what you want to. If you disagree, it's fine. I don't believe I have to live in depression or oppression or discouragement or defeat. I don't, I don't have to. I can go to God in prayer and I can call up, I can speak the truth in my heart and I can pray and ask God to give me grace and ask God to give me the truth and ask God to lift me up and God to give me power. And I don't have to live in that slop hole in that sewer lagoon all my life. But it takes power and prayer. And I'm going to say this to you. It may be that God wants you to spend an, uh, what could you not watch with me one hour? I wonder why our Lord spent all nights in prayer. If you want to know what's really going on, our Lord, he prayed. We're going to go through the prayer life of Jesus Christ in our Bible lesson in Sunday school here next year sometime. But it's an amazing thing. And he didn't do anything without praying. He never selected his disciples without prayer. He didn't go to the cross without prayer. He didn't do anything without prayer. Why? Because there's power in prayer. You want to change things? Start praying. Let's just be honest today. Let's Let's just get real. The devil would rather you read your Bible and pray. Amen. How many knows that? Yeah. He'd rather you go to church than pray. Yeah. He'd rather that you serve in some kind of capacity in ministry than pray. Yeah. Let's just ask ourselves this. Has any of us prayed an hour this week? How much time have we spent on our knees or maybe even working, but Seeking the Lord and coming. It's no wonder the church is so powerless because we're prayerless. I'm not getting up here preaching down to you. I tell you, God is dealing with me. Reggie, you want to see my power? You pray. You pray. I don't understand all about it. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I can't see the demonic world, but it's out there. It is a reality. And they're out to destroy the work of God and hinder the work of God. Paul said, I would have come unto you, but Satan hindered us. The Bible said, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I'm telling you, there's power in prayer. By the way, let me go further and say this, and I'm, I'm being convicted while I'm preaching. When you, when you preacher starts getting convicted while he's preaching, you're preaching. Amen? Amen. But there's power in praying together. Amen. Karen, you and I need to pray more together. The old saying, the family that prays together stays together, and it's just absolutely the truth. We need to pray. There's power in prayer. And Jacob got up from there and he was limping, but he had the power of God upon him. 
I'm going to tell you something. I, I know what it is. And Danny and some of you other preachers, you know what it is. I'm telling you what, the, the old time, there's no black preacher who say this, and I hope I can get it right. But he said, how do you get ready for preaching? Well, he said, I studies myself full. Full. Then he said, I praise myself hot. And then he said, I let her go. <laughs> Amen. Well, I want to tell you something. We need to get back to prayer in our church. And I'm begging, I'm beseeching us and myself that we'd be a people of prayer. Let me tell you something right now. Satan is after us. He's after this nation. He's after our leaders. What do we think is going on? But we can sit and say, oh, did you see what's on the news? Did you hear that? How stupid, stupid, stupid. Well, how much praying are we doing to stop stupid? And I'm telling you right now, we need to pray. I just want to encourage you to pray. There's power in prayer, amen. There's power in prayer. Jeremiah 33, 3 is my mama's verse. Call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Ephesians 3, 20 says unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we would ask. or see, uh, ask. And I'm just telling you, God wants to do more, but we're going to have to pray. But here's our problem. Here's to be honest with you. We're Revelation Laodicean. We don't need nothing. You know why we don't pray? We don't need nothing. We think a pill or a dollar bill or somebody or something or the government's going to fix every problem we got. Now, I'm going to tell you what God's going to do with this nation. He's going to bring this nation where the government can't fix you. He's going to bring this country where the dollar can't fix you. Only God can fix you. And I believe that's what's coming to this nation. Number five, there is a provision for prayer. If you want to write that down, there's a provision for prayer. Number, verse number seven, verse number eight. And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning. When he dresseth the lamp, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamp at evening, he shall burn incense upon it. It's a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. There's a provision for prayer. Now, get this. It's the lampstand. To the left of that and back a little bit was a lampstand. Light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God gives you light. If you read the Bible, is you, you talking to God? If you read the Bible, you're letting God talk to you. You're praying, you talk to God. But when you read your Bible, God teaches you how to pray right and what to pray for. And He gives you light. The Holy Spirit. The light that came out of that lampstand was a picture of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what, how many's ever been out doing something and the Holy Spirit prompted you to pray? Happens a lot. Now, I'm going to help you all here a little bit. When somebody puts on Facebook, pray, just because they didn't put a comment that they're praying doesn't mean they didn't pray. Did you know what? If I read a comment, and I try not to spend a lot of time doing it, but occasionally something hits, and they'll say, please pray. Well, a lot of times I'll pray right, because if I don't pray right then, it's gone. I'll just be honest with you. I might say, well, I'll pray later, but it don't happen. Lady came by me the other, doesn't go to church here, came by me the other night here at church at the play, the, the school program. And she's an elder lady. She said, Reggie, would you please pray for me? She said, I'm hurting. I said, listen, let's just pray right now. Because if I walk out in that truck, I might not think of it, Brother Lutz, for two or three days. But just because somebody doesn't respond, to, don't get all shook up and say, well, they, they never said anything. Don't do that stupid. You get whining around because nobody wrote me. Make a comment if you want to. That's fine. But that doesn't mean somebody didn't pray for you. I just thought I'd throw that in. Amen. But the Bible says we're to be filled with the spirit, to walk in the spirit, be led of the spirit, led, praying in the Holy Ghost. You got to get hooked up with the spirit of God. Amen. Praying in the light of the will of God. What is God's will? 
What is God's will? God's will for everybody to be saved. It's God's will uh, for laborers to be called to labor. It's God's will for us to be filled with the Spirit. It's God's will for you to witness to people. It's God's will for you to do right, to live honestly. Praying in the power, the will of God. God has made provision. You're not just, you're not just talking in thin air. The Holy Spirit of God, we pray, watch this, we pray to the Father in the name of the Son through the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God has to get, in, the Bible says, praying in the Holy Ghost. You know what? We're going to have camp meeting out here, and I'm praying for a massive move of God. These kids need to see at least one time in their life the power of God fall. And if it ever falls, nobody has to wonder whether God came or not. But you know why we don't have revivals in our churches? We don't want them. We flat out don't want them. Because we know it could literally change our lives. It could change the whole structure of our lives. We don't want it. We just want to be able to go along, see a little bit of this. But we don't want when the power of God falls and it changes and alters people's lives and they surrender to God and say, thy will be done, not mine. And all to Jesus, I surrender. The provision for prayer is the lampstand, the light of God, the person is prayer. Number six, the person of prayer. It's our Lord Jesus Christ. He's our high priest. The person of prayer, number six. The veil, it said before the veil, we come in Jesus' name, Hebrews 10, 19. He's the God man. Watch this. In our beginning text in the book of Timothy, it says this, for there's one God and one mediator between, if you went back to the tabernacle, that veil between the, the golden altar and the Ark of the Covenant, there's one mediator between God and man, God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's the person of prayer. You've got to come through Jesus' name or you don't get to God, period. That's right. Amen. As I told you last week, that if you want to lead a Catholic to Christ, take him to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 4. Showing the Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, and then ask him what all these Catholic priests are doing. What's Mary doing? They'd blow them out of the water if, if they have any honesty at all. Number seven is the practice of prayer. When do you pray? And we're going we're to close down here probably. Practice prayer. When do you pray? Well, the Bible said there in verse number 30 in chapter number seven, thou shalt burn therein sweet incense every morning. Here's an old poem. I met God in the morning when the day was at its best. His presence came like sunshine upon my chest. All day long his presence lingered, and all day long he stayed with me, and we sailed in perfect calmness over life's troubled sea. I want to challenge you, the church, this morning. Let's do something real simple. Start every day with prayer. When your eyes open, start talking to God. Your feet hit the floor. Say, good morning, Lord. Lord, I need you today. If you can, have family altar together. Can I tell you something? I'd give an awful lot to pray for my dad right now, but I can't. Pray with your children while you can. Pray with your parents while you can. Prayer knits your souls together. Pray in the morning. Start your day with prayer. You down verse number eight, verse number eight, look what it says. When Aaron lighteth the lamps at evening. How many knows this little song? 
God answers prayer in the morning. God answers prayer at noon. God answers prayer in the evening. So keep your heart in tune. David said this in Psalms 55, evening and morning and at noon will I cry unto the Lord. David said, I'm going to pray. Start of the day, middle of the day, at the end of the day. I'm going to pray. God said in Psalms, he said in Psalms 50, 63 at night, well, it's 12 o'clock smack. And we, you know, God leaves at 12. We all know that, right? <laughs> this is a kind of a teaching message. I get to wanting to preach and then I kind of like teach, you know, but we're going to cut it off at, ver- at number, uh, number seven. And we're going to pick it back up tonight. And those of you who don't come, we're not broadcasting it. <laughs> That's honorary, ain't it? No, if you, if you can be here, be here. But if you can't, I'd encourage you because I'm going to tell you something. Your Christian life is no better than your prayer life. No better than your prayer life. And God wants to have communion with you. You know something, Ian?